Action Radio begins in 3, 2, 1. I want to Mars! Feel free! And tell them that we love them! I've looked at clear cuts in burnt forest and I've felt outraged. Ah! We are the crowning glory of God's creation, and all of nature was made for us. Nature is more productive because of us, not less. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Ah, the elegance of the Bible. Again, this is Wretched Radio. If you have been concerned about the continuity of scriptures, fret not, Christian. You are going to see again the elegance of scripture, that this is not a hodgepodge slapping together of a bunch of smaller books to make up one confusing whole. Oh, no. The Bible is elegant. We see themes running throughout the scriptures written by different authors in different languages on different continents. How else could a book like that be put together? Not by the power of man, but by the power of the Holy Spirit as he moved holy men of God to speak. And you're about to hear another demonstration of the elegance of your inspired Bible. Pastor Milton Vincent, better title would be Shepherd Friel. It's the same word, but he's a shepherd. We tend to think pastor. He's the preacher. He's the one who runs the church. Well, a pastor is supposed to be a shepherd who tends to the sheep, who loves the sheep, who cares and nurtures the sheep. That's Milton Vincent in a nutshell. He's the author of Gospel Primer, a wonderful book we have available at wretched.org, preaching a Christmas sermon on Mary. Hey, be careful preaching about Mary. We're Protestants. Well, she's featured in the early part of the Gospel of Luke. She was found to be highly favored, and she was visited by an angel to announce you're going to carry the long-expected prophet. Whoa. How did she respond initially at seeing an angel? Well, she was a little startled. But because of the words of the angel, she accepted the words of the angel when he said, you're highly favored. God is going to overshadow you. He is going to be the father of your child, not Joseph. He's going to be. She asks one question. How can this be? I'm a virgin. He responds, the Lord is going to be, if you will, the biological father of your child. The end. Okay. Off she went. But God didn't stop affirming this truth to Mary to calm any potential nerves, which you could imagine would be reasonable. Her cousin Elizabeth She informed Mary, you're carrying the Messiah. Whoa. Furthermore, the baby in the womb leapt. Now, this is three witnesses. And Milton Vincent is about to remind us that the Bible, when it offers repetition, is is shining a spotlight on a verse saying, hey, pay attention to this. Pay attention to this. When Mary visits Elizabeth, and it happened, when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, that the babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. She spoke with a loud voice, blessed are you among women. This this appears to be, if you will, a prophetic utterance revealed by the Holy Spirit, because we're not told how she learned of this other than it's in the context of being filled with the Spirit. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb. Another, okay, what's up with the leaping? 
God has provided three witnesses that she would be the one who bore the Son of God. It was the angel. It was Elizabeth. And it was the baby leaping. But wait, there's a fourth witness. And it reveals the elegance of the Bible. Your question would be, why would the leaping of John the Baptist in Elizabeth's womb be so important? And why would Elizabeth and Mary infer so much meaning from it? Well, to answer this question, we have to go back to the Old Testament, to the last chapter of the Old Testament, to Malachi chapter 4, verse 2, where God is speaking 400 years prior about the coming day of the Lord, and he makes this promise to his people. Listen to what he says in Malachi 4.2. He says, and I quote, but for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, and you will go forth and skip about like calves from the stall, unquote. By the way, as you listen to those words or see them in Malachi 4.2, who's the son of righteousness? Well, you guys announced that this morning when you sang Hark the Herald Angels Sing. You said, Hail the Son of Righteousness. You proclaimed as you sang that the Son of Righteousness is Jesus. And in Malachi 4.2, God says, But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. And you, here's your response, you will go forth and skip about like calves from the stall. So notice the wording there. When the son of righteousness appears, his appearing will cause God fears to skip about like calves from the stall. One translation uses the word frolic to translate what the New American Standard translates as skip about. And another translation, I believe the ESV uses the word leaping. Most importantly, in the ancient Greek translation of this passage, Malachi 4.2, the Greek word translated skip about is skirtao, skirtao. The text says in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, you who fear my name will skirtao like little calves. And the Greek word skirtao means to leap with playfulness and joy. So coming back to Luke chapter one, verse 41, the Greek text reads this way. Look at verse 41. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby skirtaoed in her womb. And Elizabeth uses that same word in verse 44, when she says to Mary, for behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby skirtaoed in my womb for joy. And this is why Elizabeth is immediately filled with the spirit and reacts the way that she does. God says in Malachi 4, 2, that when the son of righteousness appears, God fears will skirtao like lambs from the stall and Elizabeth's spirit-filled baby in her womb does exactly that as Mary is approaching, causing Elizabeth to conclude that the son of righteousness is in the womb of Mary. Whoa. Have you forgotten that the Bible can only be concluded to be, nice grammar, Friel, an inspired book? Then filled with the Holy Spirit, Elizabeth began speaking things that only the Spirit could have revealed to her. And Mary would be able forever thereafter to testify and say, I simply greeted my elderly relative Elizabeth 
And before I could tell her anything, she started blessing me and blessing the child in my womb and telling me that I am the mother of her Lord. And part of how she said that she discerned that was from the baby in her womb leaping for joy, consistent with the promise of Malachi chapter four, verse two. Well, all in all, Mary has now received testimony from three witnesses, Gabriel, a spirit-filled Elizabeth, and the baby in Elizabeth's womb. And we could add a fourth witness, and that is the prophet Malachi. Please listen to this shepherd preach to his flock. Mary never asked Gabriel for any extra evidence like Zacharias did, but that's what God chose to give her anyway after she surrendered herself to his will. And hearing about the leaping of the baby in Elizabeth's womb serves as the final straw for Mary. She's now a million miles away from the agitation that she was experiencing in verse 29. And she explodes in an anthem of praise, which we find beginning in verse 46. And some suggest that what we have here beginning in verse 46 is the greatest song ever written. Look at verse 46 and following and appreciate the lyrics of her beautiful song. And I'm just going to read these without comment. And Mary said, my soul exalts the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my savior, for he has had regard for the humble state of his bond slave. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. I'll comment. Mary knew she needed a savior. She knew she wasn't the co-redemptrix. For the mighty one has done great things for me and holy is his name and his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. He has done mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who were proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has exalted those who were humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty handed. He has given help to Israel, his servant in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his descendants forever. What a song. After this, we're told in verse 56, and Mary stayed with her. She stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then returned to her home. In other words, she stays with Elizabeth until the birth of John the Baptist. And then she returns home waiting for the day about six months later when she will give birth to the Messiah. And that story is recorded in Luke 2. We will hear none of Luke chapter 2 from Pastor Vincent. Instead, having reminded us of the elegance of the Bible, he's about to do, if you will, an altar call. He's about to call people to believe that Mary bore the long-expected prophet who is David's son, yet David's Lord. And he is going to do it with a tone that is tendered. It is a tone that is also persuasive. It is a tone that is simultaneously urgent. You're about to hear that call next. And it's a beauty on Wretched Radio. For your consideration, not one but two ways that you could strengthen the local global church, the Master's Academy International, 
training men in Los Angeles who then return to their home countries and open up mini seminaries to train pastors in their native land. That strengthens the local church. But there's another way you can do just that. We are partnering with the Masters Academy International to send Bibles to the Philippines. Not just any Bible, MacArthur Study Bibles to believers in TMAI-trained churches. These efforts strengthen the local church. Would you please consider how many Bibles you might send? How many seminaries you might support overseas? To learn more, visit wretched.org slash pastor. Or if you like the Bible sending idea, wretched.org slash Bible. Hey, thank you so much for joining us on Wretched Radio today. And don't forget to mark it in your calendar to look for on Saturdays, the brand new Transform podcast hosted by Dr. Greg Gifford. You can hear it at transform.org slash podcast or anywhere podcasts are heard. And the Transform podcast, Dr. Gifford takes a more in-depth approach to explaining issues that we're all facing and dealing with. What to do when you feel stuck? How are we to control our tongue and communicate with one another? These are things that Dr. Gifford teaches in depth on the Transform podcast. And you can hear new episodes Saturday mornings at transform.org slash podcast or again, anywhere podcasts are heard. And it's all made possible by the support of our Gospel Partners. Just like every resource that we're able to provide here at Gospel Partners Media. And if you're not already a Gospel Partner, can I urge you to head over to wretched.org slash donate to get the answers that you're likely looking for. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Cool. Very cool. The Tomorrow Clubs now have 106 clubs in Romania. This year marks the celebration of the 25th anniversary of our but also, it is a very important milestone for Tomorrow Clubs Romania. Now, Tomorrow Clubs Romania has 106 clubs. That means 106 villages are hearing the gospel proclaimed to the kids who get saved. They bring the gospel home, parents get saved, and local churches get strengthened. Would you please consider supporting the Tomorrow Clubs? Not only do they have hundreds of clubs in Romania, Ukraine, Russia, Albania, all over Eastern Europe, and now in Africa, would you please consider what might you do to bring the gospel to both Africa and to Eastern Europe? Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Church Fathers. Clement of Rome lived from AD 30 to 100, was a student of the Apostle Peter, and served as the Bishop of Rome. He wrote a letter to the troubled church in Corinth, warning against envy and immorality, emphasizing humility and repentance. His letter continued to be read during worship services for 80 years. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Elegance! That demands a verdict. This is Wretched Radio, Pastor Milton Vincent, author of the Gospel Primer, senior pastor of Cornerstone Bible Fellowship in Riverside, California, preaching a Christmas message, which means he knows that there are visitors who aren't saved there. Furthermore, simultaneously, he knows There are believers there who do need to be encouraged and to hear the great news of the gospel. What you're about to hear, mostly uninterrupted, is Pastor Vincent delivering an altar call 
to those who are there who are not saved and preaching like a shepherd tenderly to a flock that needs encouragement. And maybe you do too. If you recall, he was preaching through Luke chapter one that Mary was initially agitated, startled, worried at the appearance of an angel. And yet his words calmed her. Furthermore, the Lord in his kindness gave her the testimony of Elizabeth. Furthermore, God gave her the testimony of John the Baptist. Furthermore, he gave a fourth witness. Malachi 4, chapter 2, which says, When those who are born again see the Son of Righteousness, they are going to leap for joy. That's what John the Baptist did in the womb. Same word, skirtaod, for joy. That is the elegance of the Bible, and it demands a verdict. And that is exactly what Pastor Vincent is about to set forth. The only question for us this morning is how will we respond to this account that we have heard and studied this morning? Let me give you a few ways we should respond. Number one, keep reading and consider the rest of the story. Like, don't finish Luke 1 and say, wow, that's amazing, and then close your Bible. No, keep reading through Luke and the other gospel writers and the rest of the Bible, and consider the rest of the story of Jesus Christ. At the very least, consider the way Jesus was born and then grew up and went on to deliver teaching like no one ever taught before. On top of that, he healed the sick. He gave sight to the blind and hearing to the deaf, and he cleansed the lepers, and he made the lame able to walk again. He cast demons out of people and he even raised the dead. Even more amazing than all of that, Jesus loved sinners and misfits who were always left overwhelmed with the grace and the truth that they experienced from Jesus. He spoke truth to them about themselves in ways that pierced their consciences like they had never experienced before but he also loved them with a love that they never dreamed possible. This one knows me utterly, everything, and he loves me still. And then this same Jesus was crucified on a cross and shed his blood to give atonement for all of those sins that you and I have committed. And three days later, he was raised from the dead. And then shortly thereafter, he was ascended to the right hand of God, where he reigns now from on high, and ever since, he has been giving out salvation and the forgiveness of sins to everyone who looks away from themselves and from anything else and looks to him as their Lord and Savior and believes in him and calls upon his name. Everything about the life and ministry of Jesus was amazing, and it's all recorded right here in the Bible. And Luke, in our passage today, is simply telling us about the events surrounding his conception. So yes, consider what we've learned in our passage today, but read the Bible and learn more about Jesus as he is revealed in this book that we're studying this morning. And as you do that, I encourage you to believe what you read, to believe the truth about Jesus as it is revealed in the Bible, just as Mary did. When Elizabeth saw Mary, she said to her in verse 45, blessed is she who believed. And may such a benediction be spoken over you too, as you respond to the revelation of God in the Bible about Jesus. If you are here today and you have never trusted in Jesus Christ and called upon his name for salvation, I urge you to do that today. Humbly confess that you are a sinner, that you have a deep sin problem from which you are unable to rescue yourself, but you need to be rescued 
and believe that Jesus died on the cross in order to give you atonement and forgiveness for those sins and to rescue you from your sins and believe in Jesus as the son of the most high God born of the Virgin Mary. Now that is a biblical altar call without the altar part. But perhaps you're hearing that and your response is, I don't believe in Jesus. Perhaps you have heard this message and you don't believe what this text teaches you about the virgin conception and birth of Jesus. Perhaps you say, I can't believe in the virgin birth of Christ because that's scientifically impossible. This is so good. You expect me to believe that? Well, if you don't mind, let me read to you from someone who also denies the virgin birth of Christ. His name is Quentin Smith. He's an atheist who denies things like the virgin conception and birth of Christ. But if you were to ask Quentin Smith where the entire universe came from, he would say this to you, and I quote, the most reasonable belief is that we came from nothing, unquote. Stephen Hawking, the great mind, once said, and I quote, the universe can create itself from nothing. Spontaneous creation is the reason why the universe exists, why we exist, unquote. What these men are suggesting sounds an awful lot like a virgin birth to me. Only what they are advocating for is the virgin birth of the entire universe out of nothing, which gives rise to every human being. And yet they cannot embrace what the Bible teaches about the virgin birth of Christ. You see, guys, if you deny the miracles of the Bible, you don't have the luxury of denying those miracles without having to create your own miracles that are even more fantastic than the Bible's. So pick your miracles wisely. Oh, that can be used in an evangelistic encounter. One way or another, you're going to believe in miracles. And realize that it is better simply to believe the word of God and the truth of about Jesus, who was born of the Virgin Mary and who stands ready to be your savior and your friend. And you should also do another thing while you are at it, and that is surrender. Surrender to God the way Mary does in our passage today. Mary's response to Gabriel was, behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And all of us ought to do the same thing. God wanted Christ in Mary's womb and Mary surrendered herself to that, but God actually wants Christ to come into you and dwell in you throughout the entirety of your life. Will you surrender to his love and will you say, may it be done to me according to your word? I hope you'll respond that way today. Finally, in our passage today, we find the baby in Elizabeth's womb leaping for joy over Jesus. And we also see Mary singing a joyful hymn of praise to God. And we should be moved by the virgin conception and birth of Christ to leap for joy and to praise him too. Wherever you are and whatever you are feeling today, look to Jesus, believe in him. And if you do believe in him, realize that what the angel said to Mary, God says to you as a believer, when you love to be greeted the way Mary is greeted in verse 28, you actually are greeted this way 
if you are a believer in Jesus. In verse 28, Gabriel literally says to Mary, be rejoicing. And in the scripture, we as believers are commanded to be rejoicing always because God has given us a million things to rejoice in. In verse 28, Gabriel calls Mary a graced one. And in the Bible, we learn that God has graced us with the blessings of salvation. And in verse 28, Gabriel says to Mary, the Lord is with you. And Jesus says to all who follow him, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So yes, Mary was uniquely privileged to carry Christ in her womb to have Christ inside of her for nine whole months. But because of that miracle and many other miracles, you have opportunity to allow Christ to dwell inside of you and in your heart every single day. And all of that should be powerful enough to move you from any place of perplexity, agitation, or worry, or sadness that you find yourself in today to a place of joyful worship to the Lord. That was the voice of a shepherd. Did you hear that tone? If you're here today, come to Jesus. If you're in Christ and you're worried, submit to Jesus. Believe his promises. That was the call of the gospel. Milton Vincent delivering it beautifully, and I would simply echo it. The Bible is elegant. No human could put together this fantastic story that is actual reality. Repent. Turn from your sins. Run to the Lord Jesus Christ in repentance and faith, and he will receive you, adopt you, and call you blessed. To quote Milton Vincent, what is not to love about a Savior like that? This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. Now, have you ever heard your pastor get up and tell you that frogs are a sign of the fall? I have never read that in a commentary on the book of Genesis, ever, ever. But every time I talk to Christians about people who are intersex, they say, well, they must be a result of the fall because we don't find them in Genesis chapter one. It's funny how the logic can change with the topic. You don't need to do much of a commentary on Genesis one to realize that it plainly says And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Seems pretty cut and dry to me. A father of seven, Ryan Olihan is his name, was fired last year by Google because, according to a lawsuit Olihan recently filed against Google, the diversity, equity, and inclusion folks had it out for him because he wasn't willing to give up a merit-based evaluation in the name of inclusion. Olahan was the managing director of food, beverage, and restaurants at Google, and in August he was fired because, according to Google, he was not inclusive enough. And in response to his request during the call for specifics as to why Google believed he was not inclusive, Google's employee investigation team explained that he had shown favoritism toward high performers, which it considered non-inclusive. Because I guess they preferred favoritism toward low performers? 
An Arizona public library violated the U.S. Constitution and its own policy when it refused to allow a local citizen to reserve space for a church-sponsored Christian-themed story hour. The ban made the request in December to Santam Library, clearly telling officials up front that he wanted to hold a story hour to read a series of books which he said would illustrate a moral principle aligned with the Bible. Officials with the library, however, declined his request, telling him that the building was county-owned and they were not allowed to offer the space for church or religious activities that could be considered preaching. First Liberty Institute sent a letter to the library officials, and there potentially could be a lawsuit forthcoming. And Whoopi Goldberg can't seem to stay out of the headlines very long. Seems things don't seem to make sense to people unless it's somebody they can feel or they can recognize but how many times do we have to do we need to see white people also get beaten before anybody will do anything so whoopi seems to be claiming now that change will never really happen in regard to police brutality until officers start also beating white people i don't know the exact numbers or percentages of white versus black when it comes to police brutality and i'm pretty sure that whoopi hasn't looked at them either more Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Important dates in Christian history. 732 AD. At the Battle of Tours, Charles Martel turns back the Muslim invasion of Europe. As Islam decimated the church in North Africa and the Middle East, Europe became the new center of Christianity. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Jimmy, if you'd be so kind to remind me to repent in about a minute and a half, that'd be terrific. Got it. This is Wretched Radio. Why did the Philadelphia Eagles win their playoff game on Sunday? <laughs> silly rabbit. It's because this Philadelphia church sang the Eagles fight song. Fly, Eagles, fly. Victory. I think we get the point. That's why the Eagles won right there. Now, per... Perhaps you're not happy about that because you're not an Eagles fan. You're a, who are they playing? Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, you're, no, the Kansas City beat Cincinnati. Phil, Philadelphia beat their team that they were, San Francisco. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. I got you. Don't you worry. You are in good hands. <laughs> Sports talk, Christian radio. Maybe you're a fan of San Francisco and you're very, very angry. Then perhaps this article by Jim Neuheiser will help you not be angry. Yep. That was a segue for which I would like to repent. Oh, okay. You need to repent now, Todd. You're too late. <laughs> what's the most important thing about repenting? Timing. <laughs> I'm sorry. What's the most important thing about repenting? Timing. You're, see, you're just, no, you're, you're doing it wrong. I know. This is Radio 101, man. I what's know. the most important thing about repenting? Timing. Mm. I'm sorry. What's the most important thing about re you're supposed to interrupt now. Yeah, okay, I got you. I got <laughs> I need Mother to go didn't tell me radio would be this much work. If you happen to be an angry person, 
Do we rehearse this program? (laughs) I think we just settled that issue. Five truths you must consider when you are angry, when your football team loses or otherwise. Just trying to help my own segue. One, I want something too much, which is idolatry. That is why James says we get furious to the point of murder, going to war with one another, because I have an idol and idols will disappoint you and make you mad. If your idol is a football team, all right, maybe this year uh, Kansas City will win the Super Bowl. But they probably won't win next year. And if they are your football idol, you are going to be crushed and it's going to make you mad because your idol disappointed and you didn't get what you perceived that you needed. When we will sin to get what we desire or to be sinfully angry because our desires have not been met, we have made these desires into idols. So this is a helpful tip. And dealing with things that make you agitated, stop, not in the name of love, but in the name of wisdom, and ask some questions. Why am I mad about this? Interrogate yourself. What is my attitude toward this object or event or person? Why am I so mad about this? Why does my spouse make me angry? What is it? What is it? Do you expect your your spouse To perpetually please you, you're going to be disappointed. Do you need to have obedient children? Otherwise, you'll be miserable because the neighbors might find out that you're not the perfect parent. Examine yourself to discover why you are angry. Number two, when you get angry, remember um, God is the judge. You isn't. You don't get to exact justice nor do I. It belongs to the Lord. Remember that. Now, that doesn't mean you cannot apply discipline to your child's back regions, but that's that's not punishing them for their sins. And it should never be done in anger because that means you are exacting a payment from your child. And that is not the point of the rod. The point of the rod is to drive away foolishness, to help them understand the consequences of sin, to drive them closer to Jesus, to appreciate what he did so we don't have to get an eternal spanking. We are not the judge who deals with sins. We disciple our kids, but but we don't exact justice. Maybe that'll help you not be so mad when your football team loses. Jimmy, I'm not giving up on this. I'll just tell you. <laughs> Number three, God has been very gracious to me in Christ. That would be your Ephesians 4, 31 and 32, Matthew 18, 21 through 35. How patient has God been with you? This is always helpful for me that I always think about when I'm inclined to be, <sighs> which is a, actually a Hebrew word. I don't know if you know, I didn't pronounce it correctly because it really should be, <sighs> When I get agitated with somebody, they don't know somebody, they didn't do something. How do they not understand this? I just need to turn the opposite direction and recognize, whoa, there are people in front of me on the maturity scale that could go, (laughs) and I suspect people do, (laughs) but I'm not nuts about it. And neither is the person that you're looking down on. How good How patient has God been with you? Everything you know has come from the Lord. How can we be agitated that another person doesn't have what the Lord didn't give to them? Number 
Four, God is in control and is doing good for us. Even when something rotten happens, it is under God's sovereign control. Remember the peep, the two, the uh, two, 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 two principle. Something like that. I should remember it. I wrote it. Two, 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 two principle. God is dealing with two types of people in two different ways for two different purposes. I guess that'd be two, two, two principle. Something. I think I added another two. I'm not very good at math. But God is dealing with his children, not punishing them for their sins, but discipling them, growing them lovingly. When it comes to an unbeliever, he could be pouring out his wrath even now, or he is driving them to the Savior, helping them understand, if you think this is bad, wait till I deal with you in my courtroom and sentence you for eternity. That's how he deals with unbelievers. But he deals with his own children lovingly, always lovingly, always And that means when you experience something hard, disappointing, difficult, you can know that it has been delivered either God, I'm going to use the word, although it's not exactly perfect, he permits it if it's something that is sinful and evil because he loves you and he desires the best for you, or he causes something difficult that isn't sinful, like your football team losing. It's always funny to me after these big games. When people say, you know, I just I just want to thank God because I was praying like crazy that he'd let us win the game. And some people have said, well, God doesn't care about a football game. God doesn't respond to those prayers. Well, God has already foreordained who's going to win because he actually does care. And he, for those who are in Christ on those two teams, loves each team equally, the one that had victory and the one that suffered defeat. And the same thing is true with you. God never deals with you in any other way than a loving way. Number five, remember who you are. A new creature, angry people tend to feel stuck in patterns of rage. They're helpless to change. No, you're not. You don't have to be angry anymore. What should motivate you to do that? So glad you asked. My dear friend, Pastor Highland Goodman, sent me this poem from Cornelius van der Breggen, which means he's probably Dutch. It's true that God has blessed you throughout these many years. It's true that he has helped you through storms and trials and fears. It's true that he has loved you with pure and tender care. It's true that he has fed you with manna from above. It's true that he has led you by his unfailing hand. It's true that he will bring you into the glory land. I think I had my my phrasing off on this, Jimmy. Okay. Well, it should have been love and above, hand and land. Uh. See, this... You don't read poetry often. This is what you get. It's true that he will bring you into his glory land. It's true his boundless goodness. It's true his matchless grace. It's true he'll stay beside you until you see his face. So travel on with worship. The Savior dear beside. Enjoy his blessed presence and in his love abide. Why did God save us? To experience his omnipresence? Well, we're going to get to. 
to experience his omnipotence. Oh, we're going to witness that. But the Bible identifies that he brought us into a right relationship with himself through the redemptive work of his son that we might know a love that, that, that we can't even understand it. It is one that is beyond comprehension. It is one that is actually careful. Here comes a, here comes a dangerous word, experienced, that we know the love of God in Christ Jesus, that we actually feel the love of God. And it is that knowledge that through the years, even when I strayed, even when I fell down, he picked me up because he was always holding me with his loving hand, never inflicting harm because he's mad at me, but always dealing with me lovingly. And that should help you to not be so angry that your team isn't in the Super Bowl. This is Wretched Radio. Yes, you want to save money because after all, you're a Christian and that's what we want to do. Save money, but never at the expense of our family's health and peace of mind should a family member fall ill. That is why I'd like to commend you MediShare, the gold standard of healthcare sharing. You will save on average $500 per month as a family. How much will you save? It takes two minutes. 844-34-BIBLE. And if you think well, this isn't very good, you get free telehealth services with MediShare, a huge network of doctors with MediShare, and great customer support. And fellow Christians will pray for you. MediShare, 400,000 members strong. Peace of mind and savings. Simply call 844-34-BIBLE. 844-34-BIBLE. There's a reason we talk so much about biblical counseling around here. It's because it works. Transformed, our biblical counseling series, hosted by Dr. Greg Gifford and Dale Johnson, is returning for season number two. As a matter of fact, it is on sale right now, and Transformed season two will demonstrate powerfully, I might add, that the Bible has solutions for our emotional problems. Doctors Johnson and Gifford don't merely teach biblical counseling, they show biblical counseling in action. In season two, you'll meet Christians that are struggling with the same things that likely you are. PTSD, anger issues, assurance, depression, discontentment, ADHD, abuse, anxiety, self-pity, and you'll see with your own eyes that the Bible is sufficient for all life, godliness, and emotional challenges. Transform season two. It's on sale right now at transformed.org. That's transformed.org. Just because Roe v. Wade is overturned, that does not mean the battle for life is over. Would you please consider supporting Preborn Ministries, providing ultrasounds that genuinely save lives? That ultrasound changed everything for me. It really did. That made it all worthwhile to know that I was going to have a little blessing. And when she got here, it was just, oh my gosh. <laughs> Another woman who chooses life because she saw an ultrasound. Her life, and obviously her baby's life, changed. When I heard her heartbeat, I decided to keep her. And now my daughter's about to be three. I don't know where my life would be without her. 
the war for life continues to rage, would you please engage in the battle and support preborn centers at preborn.org slash wretched preborn.org slash wretched. Books of the Bible. The Book of Proverbs is a collection of memorable sayings meant to encourage wisdom for godly living. Each proverb is to be understood on its own, and then in light of the rest of the book, and finally the whole Bible. When you desire wisdom, look to the Book of Proverbs, which reminds us that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Two, and perhaps only two, people are going to enjoy... This is Wretched Radio. If you're George Barna, if you are Thom Rainer, you're going to love a slew. And that's right. I said slew of surveys that perhaps help us to raise our kids better, to love our local church more, and to evangelize more confidently. Um, Survey says from George Gallup, the growth of religious nuns appears to be slowing. We should know that in our culture, we have gone from the 1950s where 0% of people would say they are nothing religiously to 20% in 2017. Hoofda, it's slowing. That's a good thing. But it might also instruct us and maybe cause us to ask some questions. What is the church's responsibility in this statistic? What it what changed in our world that has allowed people to go from 0% saying they are a nun, not a flying Sally field in a habit, but that they don't believe anything religiously to confidently saying, yeah, I don't believe in nothing. What's the problem? We can take a look at culture. Yep, the Hollywood has played a role. Being a rebel Cutting against the grain, yep, philosophy, most certainly the individualism that we see today. Make yourself happy. Don't do what anybody else says you should do. We can look at all of the institutions, schools, universities that indoctrinate, that encourage a challenge, questioning of your values, typically Christian. Yeah, all of that. But you got to ask what changed in the church. Something has changed. I I would suggest to you, if you went to a church service in 1950 in any Protestant church, it would feel radically different than almost every single church service today in Protestant Christianity. We we look back at those times and say, well, that was just dead orthodoxy. Look at how, how it's a, just a liturgical graveyard. Let's get hip. Let's get groovy. Let's get cool. Let's get relevant. Let's get perky. Let's survey the world and see what it wants to experience when it goes to church and create some sort of Christian circus that allows people to be amused. And what has been the result? A low view of church, a low view of God, a low view of truth, and a bunch of nuns. It's not a bad idea for us as the church, to take a look and ask, what has been our responsibility in this? Furthermore, I would say, what has been our responsibility in the gender issues, the sexuality issues, the the Marxist ideologies that are being introduced? Where, 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 where church, what, what changed? And maybe, just maybe, it might cause us to go back to the Bible 
and ask the question, how are we supposed to be doing church? Our way, culture's way, or God's way? Survey says we got a man problem. According to the Institute for Family Studies, churches, schools, and families are less likely to give clear and compelling guidance to young men as they prepare for adulthood. Maybe that is why so many people in their 18, 19, early 20s say, I'm adulting, because it's kind of a new thing. They saw it, but it was never downloaded to them. If there's anything that I could, there's a lot of stuff I do differently, but one of the things that I do differently, if I could go back in time with Michael J. Fox, would be to prepare my kids to make their own decisions. Furthermore, I'm even though we didn't totally snowplow for them, we let them experience some challenges, struggles, and disappointments. But I wonder if we do our kids a favor by removing all of them. Because life is hard. Life is dangerous. Life is challenging. Life is disappointing. And if we block all the way through their childhood into their 18 or when they leave for university or go to get married... I don't think that we've prepared them well, and that is exactly what the Institute for Family Studies has discovered. We're just not preparing kids. Uh, who Was it Ted Tripp? I don't know. Somebody, some parenting guru said, we need to stop raising children. We need to raise adults. That is so helpful that we are this little one, the little viper in diapers is going to be an adult. Let's start thinking about how to get them ready for that. That means getting a job. That means working and contributing to the family coffers, not just hoarding their own wealth. Nope. We share with you. You go work as a part of this family to help this family thrive. You share with everybody else, too. Just cultivating a, a, a sense of responsibility. I... I wish we had done more of that. Our young men problem is rooted in here. This won't surprise you. The rise of electronic opiates. I was watching a really interesting documentary. It was about hockey, which, Jimmy, I know you're a big hockey fan. Huge. Not Even though I'm from Minnesota, not a big hockey fan at all. But I'm a Minnesota fan, and it was based in Minnesota. So I was watching the Iron Range hockey teams in Hermantown, and uh, is it Ella J? And the history of ice hockey and how important it was to the society, the little towns that they live in. By the way, speaking of the Iron Range, congratulations, you're all out of a job because the president just decided to shut down the Iron Range. Cool. So all those towns that were built around an industry are given a pink slip. This was it was a fascinating documentary to watch because, wow, I got to tell you, I was reminded, whew, winter's in Minnesota. Mm. Now, OK, here's an example. Shoveling snow in Minnesota, backbreaking. I know because I did it a lot. Hey, wait a second. I have a son. Why wasn't he breaking his back out there? Probably a little bit, but I probably didn't say, go conquer the driveway. And I probably should have. Life in the Iron Range, man, it is cold. It is chilly. And they, 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 they experience a lot of challenges, which I think is actually good in a way. But they were in a locker room or the coaching room or whatever it was. 
and they were getting a pep talk by somebody who was trying to help them with their mind. You can exercise your body all you want to, but you've got to exercise your mind. And he said this, if you are watching more than you're spending more than four hours a day on social media, you're in danger of depression. So see in your device how many hours you're spending and make it less than four hours. Four hours? Four, three, two, three. I don't think we're doing our kids any favors by just letting them have free range when it comes to social media. Four hours. The absence of models of pro-social masculinity. In fact, just the opposite. Anybody who acts like a male is called toxically masculine and is encouraged to be, at the very least, asexual and preferably more feminine. The models are gone. That is why you see Jordan Peterson's popularity the guy in the Navy who tells young men to make their bed, they're looking, they're looking. If they don't find it with dad, they're, they're going to find it in somebody, a culture that discounts commitment. Yeah, it was late traffic in Atlanta. You know, oh, I missed that. My bad. This, this, this is all fruit of the autonomous self that doesn't take commitment seriously. And it's affecting our young men. Survey says eight out of 10 teenagers expect to cohabitate. Oh, cool. That's before marriage, by the way, and without marriage. Eight out of 10 teenagers. Zoink, Scoob. 95% say they expect to marry someday. Well, that's good. They're pushing that off further and further, but 80% of them think, but we'll shack up first. How many surveys have we seen? That make it plain. If you shack up with somebody before getting married, whether it's that person or not, guess what? Your divorce rates are higher. Why? Live against God's grain. You're going to get splinters. Yep. That's the illustration. Most Americans believe in karma. Huh? Most Americans at 55%. That means there's Christians who believe in Karma? 41% believe in hypnosis. Jimmy, where do you stand on the hypnosis business? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not a fan because yeah. it's, it's deal with reality. Don't go to your subconscious level, whatever that is. Ask Freud. No, don't ask Freud. But it, deal with it biblically. No, not somehow through manipulation, which I think could you open you up to being susceptible to having some company in there. 39% believe in UFOs. I believe in UFOs. It's baked right into the name. They're unidentified flying objects. Doesn't mean there's kazoos out there. 29% believe in the law of attraction, manifesting. That's, that's kind of a power of positive thinking thing. It's made its way into the church. 55% of Americans believe karma is real. Meditation and mindfulness. By the way, Jimmy, in that hockey thing, uh -huh. they were doing the mindfulness. They literally banged a gong. And they all sat there in silence. That's in the Iron Range in Minnesota. I'm telling you, Buddhism, it is everywhere. You might want to ask your teacher if they're banging a gong and having your kids become mindful. I hope you enjoyed that, George and Tom. Until tomorrow, go serve your king.